Hey there. Oh, so grateful that we get to have our class now. So grateful. Hmm. So we're relaxing into love, opening our hearts, opening our minds to the very highest possibility of love, claiming our healing, our expansion, our clarity right now. Oh, joining together for this holy purpose. So grateful to activate a life of love more fully than ever before. So grateful to be the two or more who are gathered in the name and the nature of the Christ, the light of love in our heart, that lamplight lit. Breathing deeply, we open ourselves to the higher Holy Spirit self. I am that I am. We're calling upon all that is holy. We're calling upon the company of heaven to remember that our true identity is perfect love. So grateful and so thankful to consciously choose our healing. Healing all false beliefs back to the root cause, core, record, memory, and effect. Healing it back to the root cause in all directions of time and space. We're calling for a healing. Yes. We're going to allow, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to undo all the consequences of our wrong decisions. We are willing to have a total healing. To wake up. To know our true identity. We're grateful and thankful to call upon the company of heaven to support and assist us in this awakening. So grateful that the light has come. So grateful to open ourselves to the unprecedented light of love. Breathing deeply, we're grateful and thankful for our healing. And we share the benefits with everyone. The moderator has left the conference.
Okay, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. I'm better than ever. <laughs> and my computer seems to... I, I just moved to a new home here, and the Internet is not very good here, as I'm discovering, and I've asked that uh, some changes be made. So I could just switch to my cell phone. Have a good strong cell phone signal, so hopefully that will work for us. The internet just dropped out, and yep, I got no, I got, I got some no internet, so I can't see what's happening. But uh, I'm not going to be able to unmute anyone until my internet comes back. We'll see. Oh, I can do it on my phone. What am I thinking? Uh, all these resources. God loves me so much. <sighs> well, I'm I'm very excited for our class today. And let's see if I can get this on my phone here. And uh, where was I? Oh, the video game. So if in a video game you attacked someone and you killed them. You pissed them off the cliff intentionally. You wanted to hurt them. It's, isn't that one of the things I see my nephews play video games and they, they love it. They enjoy it so much. And um, that's what they do. They attack and defend and attack and defend. And it's not all that they do in video games, and they like the ones that are kind of fantasy, like Mario Brothers and those kinds of things, versus guys with machine guns and stuff like that. And God's oh, raising his hand is probably offering to be truly helpful. Um, just gonna. Go ahead and, and meet you there for a second. So, did you want to say something? I can't hear you. I am wondering, Philip, if you can hear me. Now, my phone is having a challenge, so I don't know if anyone can hear me, but Philip, I know you know how to go into our instant teleseminar system, so if there's something you can do to be helpful, please go ahead and do that, and I'll keep going on as though everyone can hear me. Okay. I can't see anything on my phone now. It, it all went away. So I just have to see. Sometimes, you know, these Internet systems and the phone cell tower systems, they're all hooked together. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if that were true, especially... Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just happened to be in, online, so I muted me. I can unmute everybody. I can hear you. So that's where you are now. I can hear you. 
Okay, great. Yeah, uh, that would be great if you would like to uh, mute everyone so that everybody can just use their own self-mute. That would be great. All right. Thank you so much. Oh, it's coming back on my phone now. Great. All right. Oh. Yep. Thank you, Carla. Phil, did you want to say something else? Uh, am I unmuted now? Yes. Uh, you're clearer now. When you first started talking on your phone, you were a little muffled. Ah, okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Okay, so if if you kill somebody in a video game, if you attack them, you intentionally hurt them, would you feel guilty and ashamed? Would you beat yourself up? Would you feel bad about it? Anybody... Would anybody feel guilty or bad about it if they did that? I'm going to take that as a no. (laughs) So why is that? Why is it that if you were to torture and kill somebody in a video game, just blow them up, just to get them out of your way so you could get the gold, you wouldn't feel guilty or ashamed about it? You don't think it's real? Don't think it's real. Yeah. In fact, you know it's not real. You know it's a game. And you know that when most people that I know, when they're playing a video game, they're doing it because there's also some learning. They're learning how to navigate through that game. And they're learning how to develop the skills required to navigate even more successfully. And they like that. So there's some people who are unmute. If you can self-mute yourself, that will just help keep down the distortion. So now in this world, of course, it seems to us so much more vivid than in a video game because when you're playing a video game can you feel your character's body and the pain that it might suffer if it were hurt when it falls off the cliff no no you can't you can't feel that character's uh pain and suffering because there is none there is none and part of why there is none is because there's no belief in that world. We know it's a game. We know it's an illusion. We know it's just shadows, just dancing figures of light for our learning and our fun, our play, our expression, our creativity. But we're not that identified with it. So in this world, we're identified with the body and we get very distracted. If nobody has ever read Siddhartha, if you haven't read Siddhartha, 
Herman Hesse's great book, Siddhartha. I highly encourage you to read it. It's the story of Buddha, beautifully written. And uh, just beautiful. It's a small book. It's highly worth reading. Has anybody read Siddhartha? You could say yes, or you could start to to raise your hand if you've read Siddhartha. Nobody's read Siddhartha. Margot has a hand raised. Okay, Margot's read it. Thank you, Margot. What did you think of that book? It was fabulous. Yeah, yeah, it's very moving, very, and uh, yeah, it's an easy, quick read. I highly recommend it. Definitely. Yeah, and to a certain degree, Siddhartha's story is our story, Buddha's story is our story, going from mm-hmm. one extreme to the other and learning from it. So... We've forgotten who we are in this world, and our waking up is our remembering who we are. Lesson 12 in A Course in Miracles is, I'm upset because I see a meaningless world. I'm upset because I see a meaningless world. Now, when I first read that, I remember thinking, huh, the world is meaningless. The world is pointless. That that doesn't quite feel right. So in contemplating it, I realized, oh, I get it. I've given the world every meaning that it has. And so all I see with the body's eyes is the meaning that I have projected. The meaning that I have projected is based on my opinions and judgments, my grievances, my hurts, my regrets and resentments, and all of those are meaningless. So the world I see is a meaningless world. It's not that the world is meaningless. It's because what I see in the world, because of my point of view, my perspective from ego identification, what I see is meaningless. The world is not meaningless, but I am upset because all I see is a meaningless world. Does that make sense? Because I think without understanding that, it's really hard to take this is a meaningless world. Like, oh, wouldn't that make you depressed? And it does make us depressed, doesn't it? To look at the world and think, it's pointless, it's meaningless. No matter how hard I try, I just can't get it to work. Isn't that a depressing thought? Anybody ever have any of these thoughts and feel this upset? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we all have. So then in the course, 
talks about cultivating vision, vision being the ability to see with God's eyes, if you will, to see that God is in everything I see. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of Course in Miracles say, people say, God doesn't know anything about this world. God doesn't know anything about this world, and God is in everything I see. Those two thoughts seem irreconcilable, don't they? How is it that God doesn't know anything about this world if God is in everything I see? How could that be? Anybody ever feel confused by that? I would think that it means that God doesn't know anything about the world that I made up in my mind. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But some people say God doesn't know anything about this world. So I've heard Course in Miracles teachers say that. But God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. And that is Lesson 30. And it says right in the beginning of Lesson 30, the idea for today is the springboard for vision. From this idea will the world open up before you and you will look upon and see it, see in it what you have never seen before. Nor will what you saw before be even faintly visible to you. Today we're trying to use a new kind of projection. We are not attempting to get rid of what we do not like by seeing it outside. Instead, we're trying to see in the world what is in our minds and what we want to recognize in them. So this is the work we're doing in Masterful Living is to work at the level of the mind. Now, I was talking about this in the radio show this morning. It it always bears repeating. And that is this, that in our previous lifetime experiences, we made decisions. We made meaning of things. We made decisions about our viewpoint of life. And all of those false beliefs then become coagulated, if you will, or concretized. They become very dense. And that's when they become beliefs. And as we experience our life in this world, we magnetize into our awareness the thoughts that are congruent with our belief system. Why? Because like attracts like. So we're looking to interrupt and get in the gap between when a thought arrives in our awareness and when we decide to think it. So it's kind of like this, that most of us, we begin this work, we're identified with the past. So that's like sitting in a darkened room. So you're sitting in a darkened room. You could think of it like being in a movie theater. 
with the lights out. And the thought comes into your awareness. So that's like a piece of film being placed in the projector. You're not going to see anything on the screen until you shine the light of your awareness into it. So the thought arrives in our mind. If we decide to shine the light of our awareness into that thought, then it becomes visible to us on the screen externally. Now, we can experience those thoughts as more thoughts. We can experience them as our emotions, and we can experience them in physical form, in our body, and in our experience in the world. So you've heard me say this over and over again. So this is why all healing is at the level of the mind. If the thought doesn't make you happy, don't give yourself permission to think it. Tell it to get out. Give it to the Holy Spirit. I'm not interested in that anymore. Because an un, a, a thought that is disturbing, like I'm not good enough, something's wrong with me, I'm bad, I'm never going to feel safe. I'm never going to feel good. Uh, I can't get over the past. Bad things keep happening to me. Nobody will ever love me. These kinds of thoughts, in a sense, you could think of them as the enemy. Would you invite the enemy into your house and say, take my bed, eat my food, do whatever you like, redecorate, come on in, make my house your house. Mi casa es su casa. Would you do that? I don't know anybody who would do that. Invite the enemy in and offer up their home, their life, and everything they have. I don't know anyone who would do that. But that's what we do in our mind when we entertain these thoughts that we literally know are torturous to us. And why do we do that? It's because we think that we have no power. We think that we have no power because we've forgotten what the power is. And the power is the light of our awareness. Lesson 61, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. What I would invite you to do is just start saying that to yourself. If you feel a disturbance in your mind, I am the light of the world. And remember, you've heard me say before, can dirt stick to the light? Has anybody ever seen light stick to the dirt? I mean, (laughs) or dirt stick to the light, either one. You can't make light dirty. You can filter it, but you still cannot make the light dirty or unclean. You can't sully it in any way. I am the light of the world. Lesson 61. 
Humility consists of accepting your role in salvation and in taking no other. So if we take a different role other than the salvation of the world, the light of the world, we're not going to be happy. Not possible. Humility consists of accepting your role. It's hubris to reject it and to take another role. To say, oh, the role that God gave me in this world, which is to be the light of the world, to be the salvation of the world, nah, that's not good enough for me. I want this other role. I want to play the victim. Because after a thousand lifetimes of playing the victim, I'm just not done with it. Who who was it that laughed? <laughs> Me. Yeah, it's we laugh, right? Because that's insane. But isn't that what we do? And and the ego is insanity. It's the it's the absolute personification of insanity. So it says here in Lesson 61, this is paragraph 2, it's my page 102, it is not humility to insist you cannot be the light of the world if that is the function God assigned to you. It is only arrogance that would assert that being the light of the world cannot be for you. And arrogance is always of the ego. Now it says here, You will want to think about this idea as often as possible today. It is the perfect answer to all illusions and therefore to all temptation. Remember, all temptation is of the body. All temptation is to protect the body, to answer what we think are the body's cravings, to make the body feel better. And it says here, so this is our prayer. This is the practice with... Lesson 61. I am the light of the world. That is my only function. That is why I am here. That's it. I am the light of the world. That is my only function. That is why I am here. And the Course in Miracles tells us that we're perfect light. Because light is always perfect. Now, in in the Course, Chapter 10, Section 4, Paragraph 8, oh, Paragraph 7, it says, The miracle is the act of a son of God who has laid aside all false gods and calls on his brother's to do likewise. So basically, the miracle is when we release our attraction to the ego thought system and we align with thoughts that are true, which are the God thoughts. And it says, it is an act of faith because it is the recognition that his brother can do it, that our brothers and sisters can do it. Seeing that in them is a miracle. It's miracle-mindedness. Because the miracle worker has heard God's voice, he strengthens it in a sick brother by weakening his belief in sickness, which he does not share. The power of one mind 
can shine into another because all the lamps of God were lit by the same spark. It is everywhere. It is eternal. So this is our true nature. Course in Miracles says the kingdom is within. The kingdom is what we are. And that our being, physical, emotional, mental, our experience, our human experience in this world, is the temple. And the altar is, should be the focus in the temple. This is what A Course in Miracles says. And the altar is our heart, our loving heart, where that spark remains. All lit by the same spark. So that heart flame or spark is in each and every one of us. And our job, should we choose to accept it, if we decide to work for God Incorporated, is to see that spark of divinity in everyone which fans that flame so that it grows, so it can be seen more clearly by each person, whether they're looking at themselves or someone else. So then a little bit further down here, again, section uh, chapter 10, section 4, paragraph 8, in many, only the spark remains for the great rays are obscured. Yet God has kept the spark alive so that the rays can never be completely forgotten. If you but see the little spark, you will learn of the greater light, for the rays are there unseen. Perceiving the spark will heal, but knowing the light will create. So, Course in Miracles talks about creating versus making. Now, we're created by our creator. We're born of this perfect love for the purpose of expressing and being perfect love. And we are emanations of light. So, we are light, emanations of the great light. And the great light expresses in these rays like the colors of the rainbow. Right. Whenever anybody sees a rainbow, their heart lifts. Because what they're really seeing is their true nature. It's a reminder to us in this world that those great rays are what we are. And if you've started reading the Sacred Flames book, flames is another word for ray. So these sacred rays, each one represents spiritual qualities. These spiritual qualities, as you know from our work in year one, these spiritual qualities are the nature of God. They are our true nature. And they are expressions of light. And this is why when I discovered this work with the rays 
and in particular Aurelia's book on the sacred flames, it so much that I knew came flooding back into my awareness. And I found that working with these rays was extremely helpful and healing to me. And I think it's wonderful to begin with the violet flame, the violet ray. So it says here, again in this same paragraph 8 here, perceiving the spark will heal but knowing the light will create. So as we are willing to know, which is really to remember, that we are these great rays, which is what A Course in Miracles is telling us, then will our creative power be restored to us. So to create is to create perfection, beauty, truth, to express God in this world, which is not meaningless. But we're used to projecting images based on our beliefs. That's different than creating. All there is to create are expressions of perfection. And that's what we're working towards. Now it says, yet in the returning, the little light must be acknowledged first. The spark must be acknowledged first. For the separation, the belief in separation, choosing to experience separation, was a descent from magnitude to littleness. So we decided to close our mind and close our heart and to believe in separation. Seems like insanity, and it is. And we're recovering from it. It says here, but the spark is still as pure as the great light because it is the remaining call of creation. Put all your faith in it and God himself will answer you. Put all your faith in the spark within you. The spark of love, the spark of light. Hmm. Now, in the next chapter, 11, in the introduction there, paragraph 3, says, you make by projection, but God creates by extension. So you see, there's just more and more clues here. So extension is what light does. It extends. So we create by extension. We create by expressing these rays of light, these spiritual qualities, these great rays. But when we're identified with the ego, we make by projection. So all we can make by projection is an illusion. That's why nothing unreal exists and nothing real can be threatened. 
for the great rays, the light that we are, cannot be threatened. Only our projections can be threatened. And how are our projections most threatened? When we withdraw the light of our awareness from them, because then they no longer exist. They're gone. And this is miraculous humor. You make by projection, but God creates by extension. So this is why we're learning to extend love, to extend compassion, to see the Christ in others, which is to extend the view, the vision of love. It says, the cornerstone of God's creation is you. For God's thought system is light. God's thought system is light. God's thought system is light. Now, the ego thought system is what? It's symbol. It's beliefs. It's interpretation. It's the meaning that's been made of things. But not God's thought system. God's thought system is light, which can never be damaged or dirtied or sullied in any way. It says, remember the rays that are unseen. The more you approach the center of God's thought system, the clearer the light becomes. The closer you come to the foundation of the ego's thought system, the darker and more obscure becomes the way. Yet even the little spark in your mind is enough to lighten it. Bring this light fearlessly with you, and bravely hold it up to the foundation of the ego's thought system. Be willing to judge the ego's thought system with perfect honesty, honesty meaning consistency. Open the dark cornerstone of error on which it rests, and that's the belief in separation, and bring it out into the light. And what is the light again? It's what you are. It's your awareness, your unsullied awareness. There you will see that it rests on meaninglessness and that everything of which you have been afraid was based on nothing. Everything of which you've been afraid was based on nothing. What if you could see right now with absolute clarity that everything you've been afraid of is based on nothing? It's kind of scary, actually. Yeah, and why is it scary? then it means that everything I believe is not true. <laughs> Me? That's it. You see, when we're identified with the ego, then we've made all this stuff up. We've made all this meaning and assigned it to everything.
Now, if we're willing to identify with the light, the light really will shine away the darkness and it will shine away all the illusions that we have made, which is the meaning that we have made of things. And everything which you've been afraid, you'll see, was based on nothing. So when we're identified with ego, that's terrifying because it means everything that we've labored over and invested so much in is nothing. It's like you're terrified by the thought of the monster under the bed. You finally become willing to turn on the light. And you realize that you've spent the last six hours cowering in darkness and there's nothing there. It was just a false belief. Do you feel Jennifer? Yeah? I'm sorry, it's Leslie. I was just gonna ask a quick question. Yeah. Can you can you give like a real world example? I'm just trying to wrap my head around this as far as I think we all know I'm 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 not working right now and so if everything I'm afraid of is based on nothing and all healing is at the level of the mind when you say all healing is at the level of the mind does that mean to change my thoughts about what I'm perceiving to be the problem Yes and it's it, I would say what I've learned is that sometimes it can feel like changing my thoughts is hard. So what I've learned is far more expedient, far more helpful, far easier for me is to give the thought that I don't like to the Holy Spirit. Because then I'm not making it real, I'm not fighting against it, and I'm not feeling alone. But I still don't have a job. <laughs> yeah. So every time I sort of go down that road, what I've been do, what I, when I catch myself, and it's pretty easy because it's when I'm upset or feeling down, I've been saying right. I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to trust God. I'm willing to trust God. I'm willing to trust God. I feel like I say that about a hundred times a day. Okay, all right. So let's, this is a great example. So would you be willing to just talk with me about what is it that you think you might be afraid of? Sure. So, well, I I mean, I think, for one thing, I know I'm projecting because I'm not staying in the present, but I think I'm afraid I'm never going to find a job that I love, which means I'm not going to be able to, <laughs> it, it is all in my mind because it's not happening now. Um, Let me ask you, before this last job that you had, did you have that thought? Yes. Okay. So you had the thought, I'll never be able to find a job that I love. Now, it seems to me like you found a job that you loved. I did, right. That's right. Now, 
another version of I'll never be able to find that job that I love is I'll never be able to have it. I'll never be able to keep it. Right, exactly. So you've seen that even though you have a strong belief that you'll never have a job that you love, through your prayer work and your willingness, you were able to manifest a job that you loved. But right. as, soon, as soon as you realized that you weren't going to be able to keep that job, where did your mind go? It didn't, did it go to well, I manifested this job that I love. The next job that I manifest, I'm probably going to love that even more. It's probably going to be even more perfect for me. No, I totally went into the victim mode that it wasn't fair. I don't know why this happened to me. I, I totally went on the pity party train. Because I, I had tried, you know, for the for several weeks, I had my thoughts, I just felt like we're so positive and I was really watching my words and watching my thoughts and yet I still my job was still taken from me or or it wasn't my job because if it was my job I know I'd still have it and I don't right right so why was it so upsetting for you what were the upsetting thoughts that when the job didn't last, what was the meaning that you made of it? That, what was the meaning I made of it? Um, Wasn't it something like you never get to have what you want? Yes, exactly. Like nothing could ever last. Nothing could ever last. Yeah, exactly. So if you have this belief and it's unknown to your conscious mind, but you see it on the screen of your life every day, Okay. Wouldn't, the great, wouldn't the greatest gift that could happen to you is that those beliefs would become so inflamed in your mind that you couldn't ignore them. You would finally address them and heal them. And then they would disappear? Yeah. And then you don't ever experience them again. Wouldn't that be a tremendous gift? It would. Wouldn't that even be better than keeping that job? Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> no. But I know, <laughs> yeah. I know I know the right answer is to say yes because my higher holy self knows that that's so true. And just like the whole disappointment issue I have. If I could heal disappointment in my life, it would so be worth it. Right. So what the Course is saying here is open the dark cornerstone of terror on which the ego's thought system rests, which is you are powerless. 
because you are separate from power. You are mm-hmm. separate from God, and God has all the power. And you have run away from God. You've pushed God out. You've said, screw you, God. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to make my own meaning, my own opinions, my own judgments. I'm going to live in my own world. But I so don't want to do that. I'm, like, so sorry that I did that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, what about moving into the place now? Let's laugh about it. Like, let's be able to laugh and say, oh, my God, look how powerful my awareness and attention is. When I place my attention on lack and limitation, I experience excruciating lack and limitation. When I place my attention on extending love, and I am the light of the world, and only good things happen to me, my whole life opens up and I can be a loving, miraculous presence in the world. Wow. I have these incredible options. My attention is so powerful and I can place my attention wherever I like. Can I say something? Yeah. I I hear you and I, 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 I get that. Um, I just want to <clears throat> share. It's hard sometimes. It seems like that's three steps down the road. Then, and I'm in step one. And so sometimes I do things that at the moment that get me to step two. But and so. Instead of getting there, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So I do. Uh, sometimes I'll some sometimes. So I'll just put out. So what I what I've. So I'm really open to ideas, but um, the one thing that I do is sometimes I'll I find myself thinking thoughts, and I I I have, I have a hard time shifting them on mine. I t- tell myself that I do them differently, and I can't. I can't do them differently. So I, so I can only think one thing at a time. I can only think one thing at a time. And so I write down a paragraph of what things I want to think. <laughs> because I'm writing them, I have to think them, right? And so it helps me to do that. So do you have any other steps that you can offer? Yes. Thank you. Yes, my feeling is go right to the Holy Spirit Mm. and say, I'm confused. I'm feeling confused. I, I don't know what to do here. So you decide for me. You lead me. You guide me. Make it clear. Make it plain. I am willing. Gosh, I've only heard that a hundred times. I know. I know, but it it only takes our sincere willingness. So you can see how if we say that but we don't mean it. It's like if we if we go through the prayers in our workbook and the prayers in the sacred flame book, if we go through and we just say those prayers by rote, it's meaningless. 
because we're not shining the light of our awareness through them. So it's when we move into placing our heart into it that there's power in it. So you you might know the story in the Bible of Jesus, who Jesus tells the story. He's got his followers there, and he says, whose prayers are more powerful? The Pharisees, right, the religious leaders, who are supposed to be devoted men of God, of course they're all men, and uh, they go into the temple and pray. Or the tax collector, remember the tax collector was the Roman army, part of the Roman army, the the oppressor, right? He didn't uh, Huh? Yeah, they didn't like him, yeah. Yeah, I know they hated them because they were being oppressed by them. So the the tax collector goes into the temple of his heart and prays secretly. Whose prayers are more powerful? And Jesus' followers said, well, the Pharisees' prayers are more powerful because they're men of God. And Jesus said, no. The tax collector who is praying in secret, going within, and is praying from the heart, his prayer is more powerful. Because his prayer is sincere, it's not by rote. And his prayer is in secret. He doesn't he's not praying like the Pharisees for everyone to watch and give approval. He's doing it because of his, the, the tax collector is doing it because of his desire to connect with God, to know God. The Pharisee is putting on a show. And at that point, you know, Jesus' followers were like, I just don't get this stuff. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Jesus was like, oh, gosh, you know. It's not easy to get. Here people are, you know, standing right next to Jesus in form, and they're going, but Jesus, that doesn't make any sense. So it's understandable that it it can be confusing. But the truth of the matter is our sincere prayer from our heart to know God, to live a life of love, to have no attachments, to be the light of this world, to be the savior of this world, to let go of all the meaning that we have made of things, that sincere desire is more powerful than anything we can imagine. Can I share something that happened to me this weekend that is kind of shifting? Sure. So... I had made this prayer that my intention was to fully awaken, right? And I I heard somebody this weekend, and I'm like, oh, that's what I want. Because he said that's what his intention had been as well. And then he realized his intention is to get closer to God and his God self. And I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> That's my one too. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to hear myself say that because thank you. So, yeah. So, going back to Leslie, open the dark cornerstone of terror, which is our choice for separation. Open the dark cornerstone of terror on which the ego thought system rests and bring it out into the light, which is the light of our awareness and our attention when we are identified with our true self. From that vantage point, there you will see that the ego thought system rested on meaninglessness and that everything of which you have been afraid was based on nothing. So, Leslie, you've been afraid that you'll never find work that you love, but you've proven to yourself that you can have work that you love. And it was challenging it was challenging for you to hold that belief because you had other beliefs in there that I think mm-hmm. I, I guess that's where I get a little confused because I felt like my thoughts and words were in alignment with me having this job as far as I I don't recall right. saying to myself, oh, what's going to happen if or when or, you know, I didn't really get in. I mean, I was really quite shocked when they didn't offer it to me full time. Right. Right. So are you saying basically it was something in my subconscious that makes it one of the old yes. beliefs like you were saying? Yeah, you you can call it subconscious. That's fine. And the thing is, is that it's not in your subconscious anymore. Okay. It's now in your conscious mind so you can work with it and root it out. Rather than have it be like an occupying army keeping you down in your mind. So remember when I talked about the inviting the enemy in? Yes. Well, you know, imagine that we invite we invited the enemy in many lifetimes ago and we're so used to living with the enemy, we don't even think of it as the enemy anymore. Mm. We've gotten so used to it, we've just adapted. So all healing is at the level of the mind. That's when when we're saying the willingness affirmations that we're pushing the enemy out, one thought at a time, kind of? Well, yes, but what's more powerful is to remember who we are and that we have no enemies. Enemies are only illusions. That's right. So this experience 
It's it's actually it's tremendous, Leslie, and it's been tremendous that you've shared it all with us so much because we can all relate to it. So as soon as you realized, no, you cannot work, I cannot work my will, they are not going to give me this job. There is no way I can work my will to keep this job. That is not happening. Did your mind go to, like I said before, well, then the next job must be even better. How else could it be anything but that? I have demonstrated that I can have a job that I love. So the next job I have, I will love even more. It will be more perfectly suited to me. Otherwise, why would I be moving on? (laughs) Well, that sounds very exciting then. Exactly. So, but instead of thinking that thought, you got confronted with, let's say, a closet full of monsters. And you started to cling to, this is my job. It should be mine. Why isn't it mine? I never get to have what I love. Right? Right, totally. I totally totally got attached to it. Yeah, exactly. And where did where were your strong beliefs? The the thought that keeps coming to me is just that it's not fair. And actually it was totally fair. That's the thing. It was completely fair. They they told me it was part time and it was temporary. It's not like they lied to me. I I lied to myself. Right, and and does it matter that on an intellectual level you know that it's fair? Didn't you still cry, cry, big sobs and tears? It's not fair? Oh, big time. Many days, yeah. Sort of embarrassing. So this is the thing for us to realize that the intellectual knowing of something is not very powerful. Mm. True. What we believe is what is powerful. Right. Now, what we think combined with what we believe, when they are aligned, it's a power that can literally move a mountain, can part the Red Sea, can turn the water into wine, can raise Lazarus from the dead. Why? Because he's not dead. Why? Because the ethers will respond to our thought when we're in our right mind. I have a question. Uh Uh-huh. So, what's the difference between... um, So, if I ask for, you know, I'm like, say I'm praying, you know, that... Um, this is what I want, but, but I'm also open to whatever's highest and best for me. And what I want in form is the job, but what really what's highest and best for me is what I'm here and what you're saying is for me to let this job go so something better can come into my life, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, this is a really good question. This is a really good question. So what I teach based on what I've learned is I don't have to let the job go. 
I only have to release my attachment to it. Because the experience is not about the job. The job is inconsequential. Nothing. What is important is my attachment. My attachments are my beliefs. My attachments are the meaning that I have made of things. My attachments are my judgments and opinions. And those are always based on nothing. Always based on nothing. So all fear is always based on nothing, meaning it's always based on a false perception every single time. Do we have to know what exactly the attachments are or just say, whatever this attachment is, I let it go, you know, I'm doing my best to release it? Is that, do we have to, yeah. do we have to be clear? I, I have, yeah, I'm sure you've heard me say that many times, is say, whatever this is, this feeling of agitation, this feeling of unrest, this feeling of disturbance, irritation, frustration, sadness, whatever it is, it has to be based on a meaningless thought. It is based on nothing. Therefore, it's easy for me to give it to the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, whatever this attachment is, take it from my mind so I never think it again. I'm not interested in that anymore. What I am interested in is I am a creature of love and light. And that's all I wish to put my attention on. That's all I wish to shine the light of my awareness into. To, to bring forth more creations of beauty and light and perfection and joy and freedom and wisdom and clarity and all these spiritual qualities which are the great rays. So seek first the kingdom which is within. It's in that heart flame, and all else will be added unto you. Why is all else added unto you? It's because you're restored to your right mind, and by choosing love, by choosing to teach only love, you are restored to your right mind, and then in your right mind, if you would like to change the water into wine, you can. If you'd like to move the mountain, you can move the mountain. If you'd like to part the sea, you can part the sea. If you'd like to manifest a banquet, you can manifest a banquet. Now that might seem insane, but there are people on this earth who have walked the earth who have done that. And they have said, even more shall you do. And they weren't kidding. They were inviting. So it really is our little willingness to give away the meaningless world that we have made. But you see, it, it sparks fear. Oh, give up the world I made? Well, gosh, what will I have then? We think, well, it can't be good. It's not going to be heaven on earth. It's going to be something I don't even know what it is. What if I don't like it? You see, and there... All of our belief is in, if I haven't made it, if I haven't given it the meaning that it has for me, then it's not going to be good and I don't want it. Because we're being offered heaven on earth. And we experience it in, in bursts and moments and periods. And then we revert back because this is a world of contrast and we learn through contrast. 
So we find ourselves, oh my gosh, I was choosing heaven, choosing heaven, choosing heaven, and then something happened that I didn't like, and the meaning I made of it is this is bad and this is wrong, that's my job, this isn't fair, good things never last, good things don't happen to me, and now I'm back in a hole again. But the thing is, you're not back in a hole again. Because now you have a greater awareness of where your mind goes to when you don't like what you see. But the reason you didn't like what you saw was because the meaning you made of it, which was because of your belief system. So, see, and this is the opportunity, believe me, I, I've seen this so many times, saying, it's not fair, it's not fair, my, my version of it's not fair, instead of saying, the next thing must be spectacular. Look how good this one was. The next one has to be even better. I can't wait to see what God is bringing me next. So I think I know there's something that, so time is not important. So if I want, if I have a something that I did yesterday that, I, that I'm still holding attachment to because I'm regretting it, then I must be holding attachment to it so I can let go of it today. I don't have to. You don't have to think. Oh man, I wish I would have done that yesterday. But I can do it now, right? Healing only happens now, anyway. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, can I say something? Sure, Margo. Um, I had that experience on the call on Saturday. It was a spontaneous moment that I didn't even understand was happening, but it happened. I was able to let go of some past belief and completely change my mind Yeah, about my... Yeah, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing just to be... just in that moment. It was a moment of time. And you were willing. Yes, yes. When I'm usually not, I was. I was willing to take that leap just in that second. I I think part of me thought that it was only going to last a second, so I was willing to do it in the second. There you go. um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You see, and this is how I learned this, because you've, you've all heard me talk about lying, in, or laying in the middle of my living room floor, my arms outstretched, tears running into my ears, saying, basically, I'm not interested in these thoughts anymore. I will not think them anymore. I will not agree to them anymore. Please take them out of my mind so I never think them again. And doing that whole practice, and then I would get up, and I would walk two steps, and immediately the belief comes back again. The same judgment that I was just laying on the floor about, the same opinion, the same belief, the same judgment, there it is, it's right there, and my my energy goes right into it immediately. And and that first when that was first happening, I'd be like, oh my God, I can't even make two steps. 
before it comes back. This is so intense. This is so oppressive. And those thoughts were about my sweetheart and just, I was so angry with him, so mad at him, so disappointed. And I just would go right into attack. And I was so disappointed in myself. Jennifer, can you not just be loving for five seconds? Just for five seconds. Can you not let that thought go for five freaking seconds? And you know what I would say? Well, yes, I can. That hasn't happened yet, but yes, I can. I am still not interested in that thought, and I'm still not going to think that thought. I'm still not going to agree to that thought. Holy Spirit, take it out of my mind forever so I never think it again. I'm not interested in it, and I mean it. And I had to do that at least a thousand times, probably more. But every time I did it, it got a little bit less and a little bit less. And then all of a sudden, one day I realized, oh, my God, I haven't had that thought in a while. I can't actually even remember the last time I had that thought. Oh, my God, this stuff works. And that's how I knew I could heal anything because I was in a partnership with the one who would do it with me. And all I had to have was my willingness. So that's why when I discovered A Course in Miracles and it said, your willingness is all that's required, I thought, that's right, baby. I learned that. It's true. And I thought, oh, my God. It's all here in this book. Fantastic. This is what I've been doing. So the thing is to rejoice to be grateful, to get down on your knees in gratitude in the midst of your suffering and say, God means it for good. I accept my good. I will accept nothing less than my good and my blessing. I am a creature of love and light, and I am only going to invest my attention in my awareness in the thoughts I think with God, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So that's what I learned to do. And I, I learned to say, ego, get thee behind me. You have no power here anymore. Out. Out. I'm not listening to you. I can't even hear you because the voice of my God is so loud. Now, when I first started doing that, I I wasn't experiencing it. I was declaring it and bringing it into form. But you see, my willingness was great. I wasn't going to argue with the ego anymore. I had tried that and it didn't work. So I just told the ego, get out, get out, get out of my house, get out of my mind. You have no power here anymore. Only God has power here. Only God in my house. 
And there were many times when I didn't know, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I ever going to be happy again without my boyfriend? How, 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 how? And that's how, how I learned the how is none of my business. The thought would come into my mind, how is that ever going to happen? And I would say, that's not my job. I only have to allow it to happen. So I'd say, well, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I know it's going to be miraculous. I think, how am I ever going to be a successful minister and have a successful ministry? I don't know how that's going to happen, but I know it's going to be miraculous. I look forward to experiencing it. Thank you, God, for my miracles. Now, somebody who doesn't have any faith would say, she's a crazy lady. She's a crazy lady. Who is she talking to? What is she thinking? She thinks that she can just think these thoughts and it's going to be made true? That's insanity. But now, the person who would have said that to me then, they would look at my life and they would say, holy shit, it worked. Maybe maybe she has something to share with me. That's why I put such a strong emphasis on proving God. So, Leslie, what have you learned through your experience this year? Sum it up for us. What have I learned? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm put on the spot. Um well, I certainly have done a lot of divine exper- experiments, and they have come true. And and one one thing I just have to say, Jennifer, is I have been focusing on losing the job and not the fact that I got the job in the first place. And it was Thank so easy, and it was so easy and so effortless. I I it just basically just came into my lap. I mean. It was completely effortless so, when I got hired. Okay. Okay. So what is it that is so attractive to thinking about thinking about that you lost the job rather than you got the job? Why is that more interesting to you? To say I'd like the job? I don't understand. So you said that you've been thinking more about the fact that you lost the job. Oh, okay. That you mm-hmm. lost the job. Why is that more interesting to you than you got the job? It, it's not. I I am ready to rejoice and get excited about this or something better. <laughs> because right. it, it happened but before... Right. Certainly happened. Yes, but you were saying before that you you were wondering how is it that your fears could be based on nothing when you don't have a job. 
So the facts are, right now, you don't have a job. But the only reason that that scares you is because of your beliefs about it. Right. The belief, the, the belief that you can't have a job you love, that even if you manifest a job you love, it's going to be taken away from you, that the world isn't fair, that no matter how hard you try, you can't succeed, that this stuff works for a minute, but it doesn't last. That's the thought. Those are the thoughts that generate the fear, not the experience of not having a job. So not oh, having I a job see what you're saying. Yes, not having a job right now is for your benefit so that you will focus on where is your mind? What do mm-hmm. you believe? And that you will not be distracted. You will have time to focus on it. So in this time when you've been unemployed, have you been strengthening your practice, deepening your practice, investing more in it? I will be totally honest with you and say no. I've been Thank doing you. Much, I've been doing much more self-medicating. Thank you. Thank you. Today's the full moon. <laughs> and I started off the call, I think, yesterday, the year one class about full moon ceremony, releasing ceremony, harvesting ceremony. So what I would invite you to do... Leslie, is have a party and celebrate all that you have harvested because now these hidden beliefs are not hidden anymore. And you can see that, in fact, they are running your life. But not for long. Because now you know you can manifest a job you love. And now you can prove that you can hold on to it. That's right. Without attachment. Yes. Because I had an experience last year where basically my staff for the ministry, nobody in the ministry was working out. Not one person. Not one. And for one reason or another, either everybody was fired or they left for another reason or they quit in upset. Every single member of my staff. And there was a moment there where I was just like, well, this is interesting because it takes a lot of people to run this ministry. And a lot of these things that need to be done, I don't even know how to do them. Not even a clue where to start, how to log in and do any of it. This is interesting. So I just said, God, this is your ministry. You want to build it up? Build it up. You want to tear it down? Tear it down? I'm all in for whatever serves in the highest and best. No attachments. Build it up, tear it down, I'm in. Just tell me which way to go, what to do. I'm good either way. It's not my ministry. It's God's ministry. And I serve God, so I know I'm going to serve God no matter what. 
And within 24 hours, I knew the next step and the next step and the next step. And I wasn't afraid. I, I literally was like, this is going to be good. Whatever it is, this is going to be good. Because this is a reboot here. And it was. And the staff I have now is the best staff I've ever had. And we're working together better than we've ever worked. And it's making my life easier than it's ever been. Not that we don't have challenges, constantly confronted with shifts and changes and challenges, especially working in the world of technology, it changes all the time. I should say not every member of my staff, not every member. And I have a whole web support team and design team, and those people are still with me and have been with me for a long time. So when things fall apart, doesn't mean something bad is happening. Not at all. But I can make that meaning of it if I choose. It's up to me. So, Leslie, do you see how it's possible to be able to say, wow, the next job must be even better. How wonderful. I can't wait to see what that job is. Absolutely. And now I'm actually feeling excited, whereas before I might have said this or something better, but my heart wasn't in it. And now I'm feeling that shift that Margot talked about, and I I am believing it. Because I have proved it to myself before. Right. Right. And I forgot that. Right. That's right. So we're we're over time here. I want to tie in one other thing because Spirit is, is telling me to do this. So in the a uh, couple weeks ago in the um, community calls, Mary Baja was talking about her experience with her course group. And so she was talking about this woman in the course group, her Course in Miracles group, that was chattering a lot. And Mary was wondering what to do. And people in the community call were strategizing different things that she could do. Does that sound familiar to people? Yep. So when we move into that place of strategizing what to do, we're aligned with the ego. We really can learn to set our intention and give God the heavy lifting. And that's what I learned when I first started counseling people. Because people would come to me with things that I had no training for in terms of how do I handle it based on experience. I didn't know what to say to people based on my experience. Somebody's got some background noise there that's not muted out, I think. So when that happens, when we start trying to strategize what to do in the world of form, we are not moving from inspiration. 
And we're basically thinking, God has left the building. I have to figure it out. I'm in charge. So let's move out of that habit and let's become very aware when we're trying to strategize, when we're trying to manage and cope and manipulate in the world of effects. Because in that moment with my ministry, I, I knew that it was pointless for me to try to figure it out. My job is not to figure out how, but to allow. And so I just kept saying, you know, concern came into my mind. And I would say, I'm only choosing the highest and best. So that's the only way this can go. It can't go another way. Because I have only invested in the highest and best. And that's what I'm investing in now. This has to be for the highest and best. I don't know what anything is for, but it has to be for the highest and best because that's all I'm choosing. But you see, if we look at something and we say, that's not fair, are we energizing that the highest and best is unfolding? No, we're not. We're saying, I have an opinion about what's highest and best, and based on my beliefs, this is not fair. This is not the best thing that could happen. How could it be? I didn't get what I want, or I couldn't hold on to what I wanted. I had it for a moment, but it slipped through my hand. You see, nothing ever works for me. And I used to have this thought in my mind, you see, that's why I can never. You see, that's why I'll never. You see, that's why it never. That's why it always goes against me. That's why, that's why, that's why. I was collecting evidence all the time. So I stopped making this world real. And when I start to make this world real, I know that I'm doing it because I don't feel peaceful anymore. This world is a projection of my mind. I'm one with everyone. I'm only interested in loving my brothers and sisters as myself. And whether I do that dressed in a ball gown or in shorts or a bathing suit or a ski parka, standing behind a coffee counter, standing in the middle of the woods, swimming at the beach, standing in line at the store, it doesn't matter. Because it's all the same activity. And when you really get that, then how you're showing up in the world, it's all good. It's all good. It's one of the reasons why I love hanging out with Regina, Don Akers, and David Hoffmeister is because they've done the hard work of purifying their mind to really know that. They don't have any complaints about how things are. Watch your complaints, because when you go into complaining about anything, you've lost your mind. You've lost dominion over your mind. You've given it away. The enemy is in your house. All you have to do is say to the enemy, there's the door, go. Because you have all the power, because you are the light. 
The hard thing is when someone else is complaining, how do you eat to keep that? Why is that hard? Because <laughs> uh, I don't want to judge them. <laughs> it's hard because you believe it should be different, but what they are is they are showing you your mind. They have come to bless you by showing you your mind. The complainer doesn't bother you unless you're a complainer. Jennifer, this is Chris. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, Chris. Hey, um, I hope I'm not overstepping bounds, but I was um, a Leslie's prayer partner. And one of the things that she would say is, I hope, oh, I hope so. And I, and I have a thing, like, I want to change it to I know. And, mm-hmm. and that's, and I just, I'm, I have, you know, been knowing for her, like in my prayers, I'm saying, what, what can I add to my prayer for her? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I just know that, you know, it was this or something better. And, right. and then I can hear her say, I hope so. I hope so. I say, and I want her to to know just to know it in her in her in her guts, you know, that's how I, I feel about that that I just I just know it for her. Do you understand what I mean? I I do, Chris, and I'm so glad that you did know it for me because it wasn't until this phone call that I finally get it. <laughs> so I'm glad that you were able to hold that for me because I was not in that place yet. And, um, yes. Yeah. It's so like our, it's, when when she says something that's not going on, I go like, that I can, I, it's like, that's not, I mean, it's, I think, I don't know. I know, I just, I just know that this is something better. Yeah. Right, exactly. Can I add to that? Yes. Okay, so I've been having, had been having a hard time seeing how my God's death could be for my highest and best. And um, I did, I was going to a, a dark place for a little while. And I'm, feeling now like if I can still remain a joyful person and experience joy throughout my days, that that is going to be a wonderful example for other people. Um, I mean, my circumstances... I would see them as not ideal because now I'm running two households and taking care of my mom and still trying to get my own practice going. And But I'm seeing more and more that I'm the peace and the joy that I am feeling, even though all of this has happened, 
is going to be a great example to others around me that they also can have that. And um, just as we were on this call, I realized that the very first um, event that I have coming up um, for my practice is going to be taking place exactly one month since my father passed away. And I feel like that's not a coincidence. I just feel like it's a a confirmation. Yeah, it's, Linda, it's pretty hard to imagine how anyone's death could be for our good. Right. So I think that it's the the experience and the learning that's for our good. Right. And that there are blessings in everything. And for me, the big thing that I learned in my mother making her transition was that the mind would go to, I'm never going to see my mom again, I'm never going to hear my mother's voice again, I'm never going to be able to hug my mother, talk with my mother, those kinds of thoughts. And then I would immediately start to feel like I I was going to start crying and sobbing. And I learned to interrupt that thought pattern and say, Jennifer, you know that's not true. Right. That is not true. If you'd like to hear your mother's voice, you can think of your mother's voice. Yes. If you'd like to feel your mother's love, you can feel your mother's love. You are eternal. She is eternal. Do not buy into making this life real. It's not real. Mm -hmm. It's a projection of the mind. So it only seems like you're here and she's not. Right. And then I, I would feel happy again. And I, you know, I practiced that and I, 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 and then the next year, my best friend died suddenly. And that was a shock to my system. Mm-hmm. And especially because it was sudden. And I, it took me a couple weeks of feeling like I was being completely recalibrated in every part of my being. Like I was just in shock. I just stayed home, basically, and was working through the shockwaves of it. But then I was okay. Mm -hmm. And so those two seeming deaths taught me, okay, the whole grieving, crying, never going to recover, never can feel happy again, all that kind of stuff that I had been through. Because when other people in my family had died when I was younger, I freaked out for for years, freaked out, had to go into therapy, totally distraught, out of control, anger. 
seriously, doing things like breaking windows and not even remembering it, putting my fist mm-hmm. through windows, having no memory of it. Crazy stuff. So this is the power of our belief system. So it's not about making any of your feelings wrong or bad, but right. being willing to do the same work with our thoughts, regardless of what the thoughts are. Definitely. I mean, because I feel like within a day or two of him passing, like your voice popped into my head where you were saying to your father, what if she's not gone, but she's gone ahead? Yeah. And it brought me such a great amount of peace to know that. Not to just think it or wonder if it's true, but to know that. Yeah. So I really do, you know, even with the the gruesome circumstances and the suddenness of it, still feel that there's joy. Yeah. That there's hope and there's happiness and um, it's all for the good. That's a miracle. It totally is because I remember when my grandmother passed away, I have, like, no recollection of anything that happened. I, like, completely turned off. I don't, I couldn't tell you where the funeral was held. I couldn't tell you if there was a wake where it was held. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I just completely removed myself from the whole situation and to this day I still don't remember anything about it. It was devastating to me because I was very close to her. And this, you know, I mean, my, my dad, I was really close to him as well. But I feel even closer to him now that he's gone. I mean, I I still have because it's so it's still only not even four weeks yet. I still have moments where you know, my heart breaks because I can't talk to him about something or I'm doing something it reminds me of how he used to do it, you know. But most of the time I'm just feeling peaceful and joyful about the whole thing. About, I mean, I can't change the circumstances, so they have to be for my good, for my learning. Yeah, and for your mom, too. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and this is also, this experience that you're having is also, it's supported by this foundation of prayer of all these people who love you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I could totally that makes, feel that. Yeah, exactly. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. And my and my mother and my sister could feel it too. Yeah. I mean, the day of my dad's service was a Saturday and it was brought up in both the year one and the year two community calls and I could totally feel that we were being held we were being held up by the prayers that you all were doing because it it was a difficult day but we not only did we get through it but we got to say exactly what we wanted to say about my dad and I don't know a lot of people that can get up at their parents' funeral and say something without completely losing it. And we held each other up. We were able to do it. And I know it was because of you all. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for for this whole community. It's just... I couldn't have got through all this without y'all. I understand. And also the the lesson for all of us here is to lean into the community even more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's no weakness. Thank you for sharing that. Hmm. Thank you. Well, let's place our hand on our heart and know that this community is in our heart. And let's be so grateful that we've given ourselves this gift. That we don't have to go alone. That miracles are available to us. And that together we are demonstrating these Miracles. We're becoming miracle-minded. Remembering the truth that sets us free. So we're grateful and thankful to partner up with higher Holy Spirit self and to give away the thoughts that are meaningless so that our life is based in something that is real our eternal, infinite nature, which is love. We're grateful and thankful to consciously choose to teach only love, to know only love, to replace hope with faith. We are grateful and thankful to demonstrate our faith through trust and willingness. Grateful and thankful to surrender all beliefs in the monsters under the bed. In grace and gratitude, we truly do share the benefits of our healing, our awakening with everyone. We're extending the rays of light, the great rays that we are, in all directions of time and space, eliminating all the shadows. In grace and gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen.
I love you, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. And remember, today is the full moon. Full moon releasing and harvesting. Yes. God bless you. The moderator has left the conference.